That's My Jam, the show where music, human performance, and life experiences all intersect and are shared through personal stories. Each week, I invite a guest to choose three songs that have shaped their life in one way or another and to share the stories behind these songs and the meaning that they hold for them. This week, I'm joined by my dear friend, Dr. Brittany Anderson. Brittany lives in Madison, Wisconsin, and is a Midwest transplant as she is originally from Long Island, New York. For her, and for most, music has played a large part in her relationships, memory, and identity across her life. She recently began working as a resident psychiatrist, where she hopes to be able to support others in their journey through this difficult thing that we call life. She grew up doing gymnastics for many years and recently started practicing again. She also enjoys old and new friends, cooking, horror and true crime stories, and learning how to play music. This conversation with Brittany was very fun for me. It was, it was very interesting in the way that she chose a song by an artist that I feel like I know somewhat well, but I did not know the song even existed. And the story that she has in relation to the song is so fascinating to me and very, very deep as well. So it was, it was awesome to be able to hear the people that are connected to this song, the people that she's very connected to and how it is very much a part of her upbringing. It's a part of who she is. Um, yeah, it's just, it's great. And that's just one song. That's not even to say the other two songs, which are also really great and really fascinating to hear about. So I'm very appreciative and grateful of Brittany to take some time out of her busy schedule to sit down with me on a Sunday afternoon and have a great chat about these three songs that mean so much to her. So without further ado, this is Brittany. <laughs> Hello and welcome to That's My Jam. My name is Benny Collins, the host of the show. Um, this is a podcast about music, human performance, memories, and just life in general, where I'll bring on a few guests uh, or a guest each week and have them choose three songs that mean something to them in terms of a song that has motivated them in the past or a song that has just shaped their life when they were younger, or maybe it reminds them of a certain someone in their life. And this week, I am fortunate enough to have a friend on by the name of Brittany Anderson, Welcome, Brittany. Thank you, Benny, for having me. Yes, yes, of course. I'm really glad that you're here taking the time. I know you're quite busy. Um, but yeah, just give a just give a little background on, on who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, I'm not that busy. It's all just a farce. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess my schedule is a little busier now that I've um, my my new job, which I just started a few months ago um, in um, psychiatry as a training resident. Um, and I am living here in, in Madison, Wisconsin, where I've been for the last five to six years. Um, I hail from New York originally, the suburbs, and you know, I don't know. I feel it's always a struggle of like, you know, tell me about yourself kind of questions, but I find that, I don't know, something I identify with is just someone who um, perhaps has always, wasn't always sure, you know, what she wanted to do exactly and how sort of just been through a number of different stages in life and worked through various things and um, moved around a little bit here and there and have tried different jobs and careers and, um, and, and 
you know, have uh, learned from all of those, those things along the way. Um, I love um, learning new things, meeting new people. Music is a big part of my life. So I'm super excited to just talk about music with you today. And um, one of those things I've been learning recently is uh, learning how to play the baritone ukulele, uh, which has been super fun. And um, I'm, you know, still really bad at it, but, um, you know, you just sort of learn over time to just have fun with it and, and being bad is, is just uh, just as fun as, as being good at something sometimes. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you know, I like to cook. I like to hang out with friends. I like to just chill in my apartment. Yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Awesome. And with the, the baritone ukulele, is that your first instrument? Yeah. Or have you? Kind okay. of. So my sister and I, we, when we were in high school, we suddenly got the like acoustic guitar itch, you know, all the cool boys were playing guitar and we wanted to, you know, be like them and be cool like that. And so we, we actually had, we took lessons from someone for like two weeks and then quit (laughs) (laughs) before that I played the clarinet for also a very short period of time when I was forced to play an instrument in you know elementary school but yeah the ukulele is the real first first real instrument for me yeah something you're spending a little more intentional and significant time with definitely definitely And at one point, you know, I felt like, oh, I can't ever learn music like that time has passed. But, you know, that's not that's not always true. You can teach an old dog new trick. There's there's always absolutely. Yeah. There's always always time. I totally agree. And I think even I mean, thinking back to your time with the clarinet, even though you only played that for a short period of time, I feel like even getting your hands on an instrument and showing up to a musical practice around other people and just like being in a music room or the band room and having a music teacher and just like being in that space kind of opens you up a little bit to get a little bit of familiarity with like what it's all about, basically. It's almost just like learning like learning the vowels of a language. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like the baseline. Like I, I kind of can feel this out and can sometimes speak with people that are a little more uh, musically inclined, right. I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. And you can get to a point where you're like, oh, I can like envision what this is, this skill, learning the skill might be like. You can sort of envision yourself once you've had a little taste of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then what about your, the rest of your family? Aside from you and your sister, did any of them play any instruments or what's like the, what's the musical genealogy of the Anderson? Right. Yeah, that's a good, and this will come up as we start talking about some of the songs, but um, no, none of us are, well, none of us are musically talented. None of us played instruments growing up. My parents did not play any instruments, but my, sort of my family, like the origin of, or the musical influence in my family came from my dad who just had a love for music and mostly like classic rock but um or and you know so music 
was always a big part of um, music listening was always a big part of um, growing up and um, love, you know bond between me and my dad and I just learned sort of his appreciation for music um, as a young kid and and his influence definitely um, uh, you know made a big made a big influence on me uh, musically yeah yeah I think I, I can definitely agree with that music was like always popping up in different rooms of the house where I grew up but for you, what room of your house <laughs> always seemed to have something playing? Yeah, that's, that's funny. Yeah. The, yeah, we, we had this like den or, you know, like a living room den room and the, the like memory I have, the like feeling memory I have growing up with music um, is actually like on Sundays, like my mom would always do cleaning. My dad would be like working on the house in some way. He was a construction worker, house older and we would have jams blasting in like the den and for some reason like Mariah Carey just always pops into me like there's definitely a formative period of time in the 90s when like Mariah Carey was always on. we belong together <laughs> absolutely <Yeah. laughs> what about your sister does she still play anything at all or does she kind of yeah, no, she doesn't play anything. Um, we we definitely growing up and in high school, especially, we definitely bonded um, over music. Um, and there are a number of different songs and bands that, as we were, you know, discovering our musical selves and becoming our own people, uh, that we had, um, you know, that we would sort of cherish together and, and dance around to just like the two of us and uh, do silly things together with, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. But I would say we were sort of a family, like a tone deaf family to like baseline, like, you know, none of us very musically talented. Um, so, you know, starting, starting at ground zero in terms of the skills, but you can only go up from there. <laughs> and, and and even if you're not a creator of music music always needs the consumers. yes exactly yeah lifelong uh lifelong uh you know fan um whatever their word is not roadie uh <laughs> no, i'm trying to think you know the girls who are following the the bands around groupies Lifelong, lifelong group. There you go. Lifelong group. Right. Yeah. Right. That's our family. Did you, did you guys ever go on any like road trips to see shows as a family or anything no. like that? No. Um, not like growing up. I would say once we were adults, once my sister and I were adults, um, and that, and this was after my, my dad passed away in 2012 when I was about 26. And um, after that, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we, unfortunately we never really shared, you know, concert experience together. Um, it just didn't happen. Uh, but my, my mother and, and uh, my sister, we've, we've, uh, well, just one show really um, together, unfortunately. 
Yeah, just not, it wasn't a big thing with us. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I, yeah, I imagine, I mean, growing up in, growing up in Long Island, there's definitely outlets, there's definitely places to get to for shows, but also, I mean, you have a, an athletic background of being a gymnast too, and athletics takes up a lot of space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's always excuses. There's plenty of stuff going on. Um, so it's just sort of, you know, it just unfortunately was not a part of the thing that we did. We did lots of traveling, um, but not sort of the live music kind of thing. And I think also at a certain age, you know, I probably wouldn't have wanted to like be seen at a concert with my parents kind of thing. Uh, definitely went exactly. through a long phase of that. So um, would love to be, would love to go to shows with my family at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of a different experience once you become an adult where, like, like you said, you know, if you're in between 14 and 20, hell no, I don't want to be with <laughs> yeah. my parents at a concert. I'm going to go to concerts with my cool friends who <laughs> are definitely <laughs> right. not coming. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's jump into these songs. I'm excited to, to hear what they mean to you and the stories. I listened to them all, all three of them twice. Um, but I think in the order that you had sent them to me, um, let's just go with that. So the Downeaster Alexa by Billy Joel. Tell me, tell me about Brittany Anderson's view of Billy Joel. Let's start there. <laughs> it's so, uh, such a myriad of things, you know, it's like, where do I start? Such a love. Billy Joel is just, as, as a girl who grew up on Long Island and Billy Joel was my, like my dad's and my, my family's, you know, one of their all-time favorite artists. I think my dad was just coming of age when Billy Joel became a thing. And he's told me stories um, of, you know, the first time he heard, you know, Piano Man on the radio and he was in seventh grade and he just was like blown away by this, this young, <laughs> um, <laughs> this young star who was from Long Island and, and a, you know, a down to earth guy and a working class guy. And um, so we, I mean, Billy Joel was just constantly playing in my house. Um I can't get Billy Joel out of my veins, even if I tried. Um, you know, I know our family knows all the words of all the songs, no matter how cheesy and no matter how obscure the song might be. Um, and yeah, so Billy Joel is, is like you were saying in the beginning, uh, very strong, like memory very strong memories. Um, I think in general, you know, uh, music to me or the important music to me is, is very heavy in the memory department. Um, and yeah, you know, it just brings me back to my childhood. It's just like that, that sort of, that band that just brings you back. Um, and that just brings you back to family and, um, you know, I, 
<laughs> I love, I both love Billy Joel and love making fun of Billy Joel at the same time, you know? He, <laughs> <laughs> I love when people make fun of Billy Joel. I love when people hate on him and I, it just like, it brings me joy to hear all anyone talk about him in, in any sort of way or have any emotional response. <laughs> you know so cheesy in so many ways and um you know his I think the the Downeaster Alexa in particular is maybe the epitome of this sort of cheesy but epic like storytelling of this um you know this like fisherman who's struggling to support his family and the world around him is changing and it's you know he can't adapt quite as much and it doesn't fit in with the, the people who walk on the land and he you know he sort of he loves writing these epic tales of, of other people's struggles um and uh this song is sort of the epitome of that maybe um yeah and then i guess uh just to keep going on on that so uh billy joel is also in the song or the song title um that my name is intimately connected with billy joel's story which i don't know have i told you the story before i think you have please <laughs> please refresh refresh please put it in the microwave yeah. let's let's yeah let's go but yeah so um when my parents were pregnant with me they were going to name me Alexa. This was their, this was their, you know, they came up with this name or whatever. Um, and turns out Billy Joel, Billy Joel's first daughter was born just a few months before I was. And turns out she, they named her Alexa. And my parents in response thought, oh gosh, Billy Joel is so popular. Everyone is going to start naming their daughter Alexa. So they decided we can't name our daughter Alexa. It's going to be way too common. So we'll name her this, our second choice, which is Brittany. Um, and so if, if Billy Joel hadn't existed, I would have been named my sister's name, which is Alexa. Um, so by the time my yeah. sister came around, they were like, oh, no one. <laughs> No one was naming their kid Alexa, so uh, she, she got their their first choice name. Uh, so uh, the timing of that is is you know Billy Joel's doing. Truly, yeah. it's 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 kind of funny. I imagine as your your sister was growing up and your parents are telling that story, it's like we were thinking of a different name, but then we realized that Alexa became unpopular because people got over that song, so we felt like it was okay to. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. They're like, actually, no, it turns out no one likes the name Alexa. So we'll name her. <laughs> yeah, actually, pretty frowned upon. So this is great. But we love you. But we love you. <laughs> I like the name Alexa. I like the name Brittany and Alexa. So it worked out. But they are nice names. I agree. <laughs> they are nice. Names. Even if I didn't know you, they are nice. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can you, this may be hard, can you remember how old you were when you first heard this song? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's really hard to say. It's like, I don't even know what year. Let's look up what year it was. 
I can't say. I mean, it's probably mm-hmm. before. I mean, I would guess like I don't know, five or something, but I'm not sure. Oh, 1989. So yeah, it's almost. I mean, I don't remember the first time I heard it. That's right. And uh, so I was, I was, I definitely heard it before I was able to form memories. So. But you know, I have. I feel like I have memories of of my sister and I dancing to the song in the carpeted living room. You know, growing up, you know, as as we would do. What did, what else? What other descriptors are? Or what other descriptors would you assign to that room? So we have a, we have a we have a carpet. What's <laughs> on the walls? What, what kind of chairs are in this room? Couches. Yeah, I was like, and this is that same room that Mariah, Mariah Carey, I just have a, you know, specific memory of Mariah Carey blasting through it, but um, yeah, those are it was our TV room, it was, we've got some brown couches, um, you know, there was a bathroom off to the side, this is where we played video games, sort of like the, the kids hang room, it's where, you know, we had our Christmas tree and and all that there was a fireplace yeah pretty cozy cozy family room you know yeah yeah I always think about like in the makeup of the you know the classic fully formed household however we want to whatever we want to call the normal family these days or ever um there's always the kitchen is one of those main family rooms where everything goes on in the kitchen it's the food that you know that sometimes the dining room where you sit and eat the radio's going but like quick shout out to the living room (laughs) the video games the tv holiday stuff like all the so many things happen in those rooms yeah it's the, the special things yeah, feel grateful to have a have had a room like that, you know, and to have had, you know, a room to ourselves, you know, as kids where we could sort of be loud and and watch TV and play video games and and you know, cause a ruckus, and uh, you know that was where my sister my sister was obsessed with putting on plays for the for guests. Um, so she would always perform in that room, make us all, she'd give out tickets and have us all sit down on the couch and then put a, put on a show. Usually actually like dance, just dance to a song. I can't really remember a song. I can't remember which songs, unfortunately at the moment, but yeah. Dang. <laughs> well, I mean, living, being from, Long Island was, I mean, was it ever on Broadway, off Broadway? Was she ever into the theater scene? Oh, for, for like a hot second as a, as like a elementary school kid, but kind of grew up. She grew out of that quickly, I would say. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so creative. Like the full production and then, you know, creating your own dance. I'm assuming she choreographed oh, yeah. everything. Well, and they were they were um clearly uh just spontaneously made you know there wasn't any sort of rehearsal necessary I think the rehearsal was more for like figuring out the outfit like what she was going to wear um and and then the performance itself was a very free form uh you know improvisation 
Yeah, she was she was definitely the creative youngster out of the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's always good, even if you're not the creative kid in the family, it's always good to have the <laughs> kid because then they can sometimes they can put some of their creative juice in you and you can stumble into others. Yeah, stuff. you know, she yeah, it's like, you know, just her her creative juices hopefully have, you know oozed into me in some way. Um, it's almost definite that one of the songs is Billy Joel at some point. I want to say River of Dreams, probably. She probably danced to that one, would be my guess. Uh, but yeah, lots of living room dancing. Yeah. yeah. So when you, were, when you were constructing this short list of three songs, were there other Billy Joel songs that were in the running that you had to cut? Yeah, and well, I mean, it's also just a really, it was a really challenging but fun task in general to pick three songs, like super hard. <laughs> um, yeah, struggled for sure. Um, but yeah, Billy Joel, you know, Down Easter Lex is not my favorite Billy Joel song. Um, uh and but yeah I think it's just in terms of like the memory and sort of the like family feeling it's just sort of um represents that maybe more than any other definitely was not like a favorite well I mean it was a favorite for sure but um plenty of other songs that we would you know, enjoy or listen to. And, um, but yeah. Yeah. Are there, are there specific contexts like now, like as an adult, are there any specific situations or contexts where you seek out this song <laughs> intentionally to listen, to re, to revisit it again? Um, I'd say if I'm with my Long Island friends who also enjoy Village Hill, Locals, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's e that's even like a line with the locals here <laughs> is the line in the song. Probably. Um, do they do they also have the Billy Joel affliction like you do? Yes, yeah, some of them. Yeah, so we we found it over that for sure. Um, actually, some of my college, some of my good college friends are from Long Island, and uh, we share the same you know, just inescapable draw to Billy Joel, um, which is really fun, fun to have. And I've listened, listened to Down Easter Alexa specifically with, with some of those friends. Uh, and like done, I feel like a, a karaoke event with those people would, would be the context of, of listening to that again. Yeah. And I think that, that's a good point too. I'm glad you said that because that just goes to show that even though there may be a song that we've heard when we are first able to form memories that mean so much to how we live our lives within our family, that song can totally resurface over a decade later in a different context with different people when you're, when you are a different person and it can still hold other memories too. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, a way of like, finding the others who've had that same experience and that same yeah. you know attachment that you can't 
you can't replicate, right? Like someone who grew up in a different place or a different time and hasn't had that, um, you know, grew up on listening to that on the radio 24 seven at that formative period of time in your life where music just like becomes so important or, or forms these like really intense memories and feelings, feeling memories with you. Um, you can't really replicate that, but it's, it's fun to find those who've had the, the same listening experiences. Yeah. Yeah. That bonding is, can be really deep. Mm -hmm. What are, what are some of the feelings that you'd quickly attach to this song? So like the one word feelings that come up after, like while you're listening to the song and then also when it ends. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, I mean, there's sort of a, like a, um, like a desire or like, like an un, unquenched thirst of some kind. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, it's a, you know, I wish I were more poetic, but, you know, it's a, a struggle, right? Like a, a man struggling to continue supporting his family and, and, you know, maybe, gosh, just like, but at the same time, there's, there's a, you know, it's got that kind of, it's got a fun element to it for somehow. <laughs> Um, you know, so it's, it's got this serious content, but it's, it's fun to sing and it's fun to build out. Um, and it, you know, I think it, you know, salty, right? Like it's, it's a very sea, ocean, coastal themed song. Um, and yeah, I don't know when it ends. Sure. <laughs> that's probably that's probably all I got. <laughs> um, sure, but yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's I totally I mean, and you're you're gonna scoff at me. This is the first time I've ever heard this song was listening it to it based off you coming up with the list. I mean, I'm because not you, surprised. This is like a bizarre Billy Joel song. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in the essentials on Spotify and I've, you know, I've heard oh, okay. Piano Man, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard Uptown Girl. Yeah. There's a few other songs I've heard of Billy Joel's. I'm not a huge fan, but, you know, I definitely come from a classic rock household. Um, but, but yeah, you know, kind of like the feelings that came up for me, it was just like, yeah, it, I totally understand why this is a very sing song along type of track because it has that, that swooping seaside cadence to it where it's just like you in and you're out and it's kind of slow and almost like hypnotizing in a way. So I feel like you have your karaoke song from this day until the end of your day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can really, you know, just go full out and like fist up in the air. <laughs> like, oh yeah. We're all in this together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, let's let's go to song number two um i would say 
pretty wildly different than the Downeaster Alexa. Sure. Um, Cactus Tree by Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Were there were there any other Joni Mitchell songs that were in the running or was this kind of like a standalone? No, Joni Mitchell, I think there were some other contenders. Um, Coyote by Joni Mitchell or Carrie by Joni Mitchell. Um, I mean, I love lots of Joni Mitchell. Um, and I'll, and there are a number of Joni Mitchell, I mean, those those two that I just mentioned that also have sort of important sort of like memory and relationship meanings behind them to me. But um, Cactus Tree is an interesting song and spoke to me on a very sort of like content um, content wise, it really spoke to me when I first heard Cactus Tree, which was um, in college. And uh, the reason I picked it is, uh, yeah, when I heard it at the time, and I, and like, probably subsequently, you know, um, over the years, but it really spoke to me at the time uh, you know, it, it sort of leaves the story of this woman, and this is like my understanding of it, um, or what I hear in the story of this woman who uh, is going through life and dates lots of people, and she's meeting all these interesting different people and forms these relationships, but always chooses to leave them or not open herself up to them in the end. And uh, so, you know, like someone who just is struggling with, you know, dating and, and um, you know, finding love and choosing, choosing love and choosing someone. And um, as like a, you know, a lonely single college girl at the time, <laughs> you know, um, I just felt, I just, you know, I just loved it. I just was like, this is me. This is my struggle. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and it, yeah, so I, and I, I just, she, you know, she has this, um, the cactus tree is empty and it's just like the woman who is empty, who, I, you know, my interpretation of like, she, you know, is always choosing to leave these people and not let them or not, not choosing not to fill herself with love is sort of my interpretation. Um, and I just thought that was just so deep at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this, I mean, Joni Mitchell, whether you are into her genre of music or not, mm -hmm one cannot deny how soothing her voice is and how soothing some of her songs are. Mm -hmm. So so for this, did this, I mean, what kind of comfort did this provide for you? Because you mentioned that you kind of identified with the person in the song, mm -hmm. but how did it, how was it like this sonic, comforty, pillowy bed for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like anytime, you know, someone like, you just, you feel like, oh, someone else is having this experience too, or, you know, you can 
sort of identify something else in art as as meaningful to you or speaking to you um and you know I mean I, she also just does it in a way that's just this like very rich tapestry of of sounds and yeah like like you said like these soothing you know um soothing sound and I love it it's a song that sort of goes on and on like it's a long <laughs> a long drawn out sort of tale that like I'm just so happy to listen to throughout you know it's one of those songs where you're like really happy that it's a really long song <laughs> yeah you know um and it just it just you know has she's so good at having these like poignant lyrics that match really well with these poignant sounds um you know I mean again I'm not musically like I mean I love music but I don't I don't know much about theory and such but um she has I don't know just these like complicated sounding chords um where and and complicated melody uh melodies I think where it actually takes a really long time to learn a Joni Mitchell song at least in my experience like I have to listen to it a million times before I can start to sing along to a Joni Mitchell song um and maybe that that fact is just like sort of just draws you in like it's so it's just kind of unique and interesting and I feel like I it takes me a long time to to get bored with the song really like I you know want to keep listening to like learn it almost yeah yeah, yeah it, it does it's like the more you listen to it the more that you uncover <clears throat> within the song and I think with Joni Mitchell she really is like an artist's artist where for someone who's really into listening to music or even you know creates music of their own they listen to her songs like whoa like this song is four and a half minutes long sure but this is like I could spend an hour with this and still be like scratching the surface of what it what it has to offer exactly. because I mean every every song has like a c note or a b flat or a d or whatever mm -hmm. but it's really like what the artist does with the note and she is just she she's it's like a paintbrush for her she's just painting this beautiful picture mm -hmm. yeah 100 and like with her lyrics too you know like you know there's just she's one of those people who um is just so poetic and um you know i think also you know struggled a lot in life and had a lot of complicated relationships with people and and just paints that so well into her music yeah. Yeah. So I know with with um, with the Down Easter Alexa, you mentioned there's a lot of people that you can connect with on that song. Is there anybody that when you listen to Cactus Tree that you like think of specifically, or is there anybody that you've shared this song? A hundred percent. Yeah. So I, um, so my college best friend uh, Cece, we. I don't know if she already knew the song or not, but I definitely hadn't heard it before. And we listened to a lot of Joni Mitchell together. And um, yeah, you know, early in college. And we 
we sort of became friends over music, I think. Like we, we bonded quickly over music, um, particularly like the Beatles and Peter, Paul and Mary. So like folksy stuff and Joni Mitchell was in there for sure. Um, and so, and you know, we, we went through very similar experiences in college and we, you know, we sort of did everything together in college. And um, so I definitely always, I think of CC um, with Joni Mitchell in general and, and even folk music in general, um, that was some, a big part of our, our bonding and, and such. Yeah. Yeah, like the memories on your own, but then the memories with somebody else mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Is there, um, kind of going back to what we mentioned before on the song having like very sweet and soft tones and being very soothing. Do you, is there like a, like a palpable moment where the song starts playing and you notice your demeanor start to change or your mood <laughs> shift or you start to perceive the space around you in a different way? Does that really happen? <laughs> I um, I wish that sounds really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Probably if I'm like concentrating enough and instead of uh, listening or listening actively as opposed to passively, <laughs> but probably more so, you know, have things playing in the background. That's, I mean, that's a really good point of just like, I wish I, I did a lot more like active listening to music, um, you know, now and, and in the future of just like how people used to do at, you know, record, record parties and, you know, we'd put on a record and just sit in silence and listen to it. And that would be the activity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But definitely, you know, the primary, I don't primarily do that. Um, mostly have it in the background. It's just so easy to have in the background, but yeah, it'd be something to explore in the future. I'm very good at over-listening to, to the music I love, which, you know, I don't really feel guilty about, but it is, I am one of those listeners for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like if I were to like hack into Spotify's database and see who like the, 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 people who have listened to certain songs the most and like these two came up and just Brittany Anderson yeah, is yeah. like fourth, fourth. It would be world, embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that my, my Spotify data is like probably my, my most embarrassing secret. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good way to get to know somebody. It is, like a, for a friend or a romantic partner, like look at what they've curated. Look, look what <laughs> the algorithm has done to their... Totally. Yeah. Or, and like how iTunes used to have, you know, you could, you could see your 25 most played songs and how many times you listen to it. It's just like, oh God. Yeah. It's like, I am really glad nobody else can see how many times I listen to Umbrella by Rihanna, but. Yeah. 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 Like Punk Rock Princess by uh, something corporate, I think. <laughs> definitely <laughs> One of my, yeah, not embarrassed anymore ready ready to tell the world about my love for punk rock princess 
there was another thing I was going to say about about Johnny Mitchell too, and it sort of also brings me back to my dad. Where um, I mean, Johnny Mitchell actually, and also my friend Cece, where my we watched. I, with Cece, I um, we watched the lot the last waltz, the um, uh, the movie of the last concert by the band, uh, during which they had many guests of the era, including Johnny Mitchell, um, and we watched that together for the first time, and we didn't really know what it was we didn't know how epic it was we didn't know that there were a million like famous guests on it and we were sort of reading the beginning credits and it's like you know it's like Joni Mitchell Van Morrison Bob Dylan all these people um just sort of like an endless list of guests um and I mean it's one of my favorite movies and I I uh I've started my own little tradition. And so The Last Waltz is also, um, I, my dad had never seen it. And this is, um, as an adult, I introduced my dad to The Last Waltz. And he just, I mean, it's such a dad movie of that era. Um, just loved, loved it. Um, and we would watch it to get, you know, we watched it a number of times together, me and my dad. So we never went to a concert per se, but we watched, we would watch DVD concerts together. Um, and The Last Waltz was one of them. And um, this is a story um, that like, uh, just like, I don't know, I, it's just so crazy to me. And in a lot of ways, but, um, and, you know, uh, and sad, very, um, you know, with my father's death, um, music, I mean, music was a big part of his life, and also it was a big part of his death, and in a way that, um, or in the sense that when he was dying, he was dying at home the last week or so, and towards the end, um, for the way that he was dying, you know, your brain starts to go, um, his brain started to go, he wasn't as able to engage in conversations and such. So, but at some point we realized that he could still enjoy listening to music. And so for the last few days, we just put on like, concert dvds and cds and such and we must have watched the last waltz like 10 times in three days and you know my dad well i mean definitely the last the last thing that he could enjoy was listening to music um you know and he was able to like tap to the music he couldn't really talk he couldn't really you know engage with us it was unclear if he really knew who we were anymore, but he could tap along to music. And I just, I, I, I like telling that story because I think it's important for people who are um, 
who have family members who are dying and it's really hard to find, you know, that last bit of life with them and to experience the last bit of life with them. And for a lot of people, you know, music is something that just is so visceral and so hardwired into us that, um, you know, if music is important to that person, it, it can be something that, that is still, able to be appreciated even when you're losing all of your faculties. Um, so play, play music for people who are dying. Absolutely. <laughs> this is what I have learned. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I, it was really, I just really liked hearing about that and that whole experience. And you're absolutely right. And there's this, um, I watched a documentary about a month ago, uh, pretty much just after I think it was a, a day or two after I conceived the idea of even doing this podcast. This, mm-hmm. this podcast was a shower thought, quite literally. And <laughs> well, that's the best thoughts. Those are the yeah, best yeah. yeah, it was, it just like came to me out of nowhere. Um, but I, I found, because I was so interested in just the background about how music impacts us and memory and just how we live our lives, I was looking up different videos and documentaries and I found one called Alive Inside, and it's a documentary exactly about what you're speaking to, no where, where a man will go into um, senior living facilities and nursing homes and people that are in hospice, bring, uh, and this is like, you know, 15 years ago. So it's like the little pocket square iPods that are, you know, pretty much yeah. obsolete now. But yeah. he would, he would speak to the caregiver, the caregiver would tell them, tell him some music that they like from the 50s when they were in their 20s or whatever it was. And that's exactly it. There are people that really lost a lot of their abilities to communicate and to interact mm-hmm. with people and take care of themselves. But as soon as he just placed the headphones on their head, you'd see people just come alive and people that don't speak to anybody start having full-blown conversations God. and like start dancing around the room. And they're like, I haven't seen Gerald get out of his wheelchair in six months on his own. So it's just like, it gives me chills just talking about it again. It's just Holy, so, it gives me chills. Oh yeah. It's so powerful. So, so powerful. it's so fantastic yeah it it's I mean it's just the power of music um it's really fascinating I mean just how how powerful it can be and how and how healing it can be right like that that those stories are just incredible yeah and they're not um one-offs right like it I think for a lot of people music can bring life when you've sort of lost a lot and if you know and music has so much power to um sort of change mood and change thought and change perspective um yes it's music is awesome (laughs) yeah it is it's I I totally agree with you in that it's healing and it's it's nourishment like it's it's its own food group as far as I'm concerned yeah it's one of it's like the best form of art (laughs) (laughs) my favorite form of art agreed agreed. (laughs) let's cruise on we got one more track yeah Yeah. Yeah. and and I'm very excited to hear about this song or hear about the story (laughs) that you have for this song because it is wildly different than the last two songs sabotage I tried to have some variety yeah you did this is this is the, the trash plate of music it was amazing um sabotage by beastie boys 
how did how did this make the cut <laughs> what does it do for you I mean it's just like the coolest song you could ever imagine <laughs> just like want to have like one ounce of coolness of that this song has <laughs> um and you know I don't really have much of a story per se this is like I went in order of like the songs and how timeline of when I experienced them so mm. um I was kind of late or you know I only started listening to the Beastie Boys um probably later in life um and I probably I only really learned of this song probably in the last five years or so um but one it's just such a badass song and I could listen to that song anytime of day and like we were saying you know the ability to sort of like change mood or or give life to a person (laughs) um sabotage just has this ability to like instantly pump me up so much and it's sort of been my like for for a year or two it was like my go-to like running song like when I'm feeling sluggish and such you know um I can just like jump off a wall <laughs> like, <laughs> listening to the song it just makes me want to like you know I don't know do acrobatics in the street and and such and um the video is one of my favorite music videos of all time um if you haven't seen it and there's a scene where uh like it's the moment in the song where it's like it's sort of this build up of the bridge and then it's like they just like scream and they throw they like they throw this dummy off of a bridge (laughs) and um like the the context of the video is just the three of them dressed up in these ridiculous like 70s police outfits and they're just like it's this like fake like police show and they're like jumping over the hood of cars and like they've got like the glasses on and it's just like these like flashes of like them turning around real fast and (laughs) they're running down the street with their like fake gun and such and it's just like it's just such a fun video I think it's directed by I want to say it's directed by like Spike Lee or something. That would be so cool. Um, I will definitely be watching that. So cool. If you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. Yeah, it's as soon Um, as we're done here, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, so the song is just like, I don't know, it's just such a great, fun, pump up punk song. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those. And I think like in the context of, you know, athletics and performance and um it's it's great to have a song that's like really pump up but like in a fun way in like I'm like I'm super like excited and like I have this ridiculous silly confidence (laughs) that the BC boys sort of epitomize yeah yeah like like a, (laughs) a fearlessness goofiness type of thing totally they're they're so and I, I like, again, I'm kind of new, I'm new-ish to the BC Boys, and I just finished listening to a long podcast about them, and they're just so fun. But they, you know, they're like, they're very brave, and they're, the story of them growing up um, 
and they're like teenagers in Manhattan and they're just like doing their own thing and breaking into the punk and hip hop scene at the same time. But they're these like skinny white kids from the Upper West Side. <laughs> and, um, and they're just like, they have so many antics and silliness and, uh, you know, everyone should, should try to be as, as confident and as genuine and, and uh, fun loving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> how, how familiar are you with Blink-182? No, I mean, I only, I love that video of like, when I'm 23, I forget. Yeah, 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 uh, what's my age again? <laughs> yeah. But the only reason why I thought of them is because that video specifically, but also just that band are very, very goofy and, just absurd and very authentic, kind of like we mm-hmm. were speaking to about the Beastie Boys. And I was just thinking, I'm just like, how much does Bliquidity 2, how much were they raised off the Beastie Boys? Because they were like oh, the one that, yeah. that I, at least that I know that kind of started that, that whole wave and the, the combining of punk and hip hop, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah and humor, yeah. Like, yeah. A, like it's almost like absurd little sketches. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's so refreshing. I love, I love artists like that who um, combine humor and aren't afraid. I mean, they're, they don't take themselves too seriously, right. you know? Um, we can say serious things, but also in a, in a you know, lighthearted and, and humorous and, right. and fun way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and with this song, so you mentioned how it makes you like, is if you could like jump off a wall, you get super pumped up. It's a song used for running. I, I think I'm just coming back to it because I remember you're a gymnast at Brown. So you've done competitive athletics, but this is a song that came to you later on in life. So when listening to this song, yeah. does it ever take you back to your time at Brown? Um, it doesn't, but it's like, I think I'll, I'll start incorporating it into, you know, my my workouts um you know at the gym um my gymnastic workouts which are you know I'm just getting back into kind of uh yeah um but like yeah I want to like form (laughs) a new relationship (laughs) new connections between (laughs) fun pump-up songs and uh or just like great workout music in general and uh and and gymnastics um which is not something I ever did consciously or or you know intentionally but it's really fun to make playlists for like your workouts and you know (laughs) it makes working out so much more fun um yeah and it's it wasn't something I ever did I mean we listened to a lot of music growing up in the gym but it, you know it wasn't intentional necessarily I mean it was just like it was the radio you know and definitely uh lots of I mean I thought about choosing a song that was sort of like a you know um like when I was in middle school in gymnastics in the gym that we like all like you know 
just love, I mean, we, we listened to a lot of music together working out so, so often. Um, so there was a lot of music discovery and, um, you know, communal enjoyment of music at, at gymnastics yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, I'm for some reason, this idea of like a Christmas gift that you could give to your gymnastics friends is you creating a floor routine to sabotage by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> oh. No, like I definitely should. I should definitely do that. Yeah, that would be um, magical. I would, I would pay to see that. I, I would, <laughs> I will sponsor you in that endeavor. It's like something that is. There's a non-zero chance that that could happen. <laughs> yeah. So I will keep you updated. Thanks to you. Love it. <laughs> awesome. Well. We are cruising up, um, getting to be about that time. Any other words of wisdom? Any other like lingering thoughts on these three songs for you? Oh goodness, no! I just like, I just want to express my gratitude for them. You know, I'm just really happy that they exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, this is a really nice uh, exercise to sort of just like um meditate on you know songs that you love and and the memories behind them and the meaning behind them and it's a really nice I think activity yeah yeah I'm glad you enjoyed it yeah for sure yeah I think like you mentioned the word meaning and that's one of the main things that I really was drawn to when when deciding to do this is just the meaning because when we mm-hmm. when we find meaning in something whether it's song or like an activity then we can get like a greater sense of ourselves on like what we really like and what we want and what motivates us so by looking deeper into these songs and finding out the, what they really mean to you then it's just like the bond with the person right. your bond with these songs could potentially grow stronger yeah which is a really nice thought because sometimes you think like oh I've I mean like me the over listener like I can't get any more out of this song than I've got but but you can (laughs) yeah and sharing with others you know absolutely and of course there's always like creating some space you know taking taking a month off from Billy Joel if one needs to (laughs) 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 just blasphemy (laughs) that would be a healthy healthy behavior (laughs) (laughs) whatever you need take what you need (laughs) yeah excellent thank you so much this is really fun thank you very very therapeutic for sure good yeah i'm like i said i'm glad you enjoyed it i'm glad it was helpful and yeah big thing big thanks to you for taking the time out of your schedule to sit down on a sunday afternoon and and talk shop on your jams. I really appreciated the stories behind them. Yeah, a lovely activity. I encourage others to do the same. (laughs) Thanks, Benny. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. That was great.